Welcome to the Art School Podcast. I'm Ken Goshen. Today's episode taught me a great deal about a very important and pressing topic, the intersection of art and parenting. I don't have kids yet, so I invited two special guests to shine a light on this topic. They are Emily Fossum and Hannah Leach, two working artists who are also full-time busy moms. They also happen to be star students of mine who can outperform me with techniques I pretty much invented. We spoke about how to build your own art space, making art as a family, forging art camaraderies, tips for getting and excelling at commission work, how to draw knowledge from museums, the unique beauty of drawing, and more. Hannah and Emily offered lots of generous advice, which I'm sure you'll find both useful and inspiring. Stay tuned. And lastly, as always, this podcast is brought to you by the generosity of my Patreon supporters. If you'd like to support the show and help me produce more of these episodes, please consider becoming a supporter at patreon.com slash Ken Goshen. By becoming a supporter, you'll also have access to all my online lessons, which is super affordable and cool, but nothing is cooler than knowing you're supporting the production of free art educational programming that everyone can enjoy. That sounds like something you want to do, and it does. I know it does. Please visit patreon.com slash Ken Goshen and my sincere gratitude in advance. And now I bring you my conversation with Emily and Hannah. So Emily, Hannah, thank you so much for doing this. Welcome to the show. Thanks for thank having you. us. Thank you for having us. So what I think we should do is maybe start with each of you just giving a quick introduction, like tell us who you are and what you do. Then I'm going to give a very short spiel to frame this conversation. And then you two can just take it away. Sounds great. Well, I'm Emily Fossum. I'm a military spouse and mom of two amazing kiddos. And I'm also a portrait artist. And I take classes with Ken and just love anything to do with drawing. And um, just happy to be here. Yeah. I'm Hannah Leach. I am mom of four, married to an English professor, and I love art. Yeah, taking classes from Ken as well. I do portraits and I make hand-drawn books. Brilliant. So my framing of the conversation is as such. Basically, I saw, well, I know Ham- Hannah and, and Emily from, from classes. They are star students and their work is spectacular. And I had the privilege of uh, watching one of your Instagram lives. And it made me realize that I have a very serious blind spot. Uh, let me kind of explain what that is. And essentially, one of the things that I care the most about is how can I provide information for people that will help them improve their craft, improve their painting technique, improve their understanding of painting. But I also understand that I'm not in a situation that's in any way similar to what people are going through in their day-to-day life, because I have the luxury of being a full-time artist. I don't have another job or any other obligations like encroaching on my time. I don't have kids. So I'm basically like in the studio all day, like checking out what paint can do. And you two have blown me away in how you are able to be so devoted to your craft while juggling so many other obligations in your life and producing really spectacular results. So I think in that respect, you two are serious role models for how a person could live their life with having so many competing interests, but managing to achieve, you know, such impressive results in in it in those obligations, right? So basically balancing artistic goals 
with uh, with intrusions on your time is something that I I don't have insight into, but I believe our listeners will relate. So please let's let's try to unpack that in this conversation and share some of your magic with uh, anybody listening at home right now. Okay. Start us off, well, Hannah. I, think that, <laughs> I think that one thing that Emily and I have connected on a lot is that um, it feels like sometimes our personal lives are encroaching on this artist time and how it's got it. Sometimes it feels like it needs to be one or the other and how we've discovered in our own experiences over time and much practice that that's not the case, that you can balance it and have both. Um, it just might not look like what it looks like for everybody else. Yeah. I feel like we've both had a lot of experience dealing with it in different ways. And um, yeah, there's like this misconception that once you have kids, like your me time is over or your, your craft, your hobby is over, but that's not true. And I think there's a lot of ways that not only can they like work together, but you can like, you can have some art time, you can have some kid time and you can have some time of that together. And I think that that creates such special, wonderful memories with the kids and they can be really great and productive times for you as well. So yeah, we've, we've come to a good understanding of like, okay, this is how we're going to balance it out. And it's, it's been a good few years of like, okay, we're getting in a rhythm. We're getting this going. So maybe if you could, if you could, uh, um, pull it down to earth for us, let's say somebody's listening to us and they're saying, okay, I hear it in the abstract that you have a lot of things to do, but also, uh, you want to make art and somehow you you make it work. And these people are listening to us right now saying like, I don't know how to do this. What do you recommend? Uh, well, several things. First of all, um, I think something that's really important is having your own space, right? So have a place set up where things are out and ready to go. Things are organized so that when you get that one hour where they're playing at a friend's house or that, you know, 30 minute TV show, you can just, for me, run upstairs and progress your drawing forward or whatever it is you're working on. So like having a space that is, that works for you, I think is a really important thing. So like in this home, I'm lucky enough to have an actual room and And what I do is I keep my art supplies organized and kind of ready to go. So whenever I do have those quick moments of time, I can actually get something done. And I always have Mm -hmm. to ask myself, okay, what can I do in five minutes to progress this project forward? And just be ready to kind of get into that creative mindset fast. Because we don't have the luxury of like, let me sit down 20 minutes with my cup of tea and think about what I'm going to do today. No, have a have a list ready to go. So you just jump in when that Mm. moment hits, because you don't know when it's going to hit, you know, Hannah's struggling a baby, you know, like how long are nap times, sometimes 30 minutes, sometimes two hours, you never know what Mm. you're going to get. And um, so making the most of those little moments of time, I think is one way that you can kind of do that. And it helps to have a space to do that. Um, And I, I'll let Hannah talk about it as well, but creating your space in a way that makes you feel creative, mm-hmm. I think is really important. So like I've surrounded myself with art and um, from teachers who've 
taught me in the past from other artists who inspire me, uh, projects I'm proud of. And so those kind of help get you in that creative mindset. No, I think that's absolutely right. I think you have to create a space. Um, and that has, I've lived in a few different homes since we've had kids where I've had some kind of an art space and, um, it looks different every time. Um, right now I don't even have a door. (laughs) We have like a little landing at the top of our stairs and that was where we could fit a desk and all my supplies. And so I didn't like that at first, but now I'm realizing, you know what, the kids' rooms are right there. They can play and be right next to mom. And I can see them, I can hear them, I can supervise and still get some work done. Um, there's, We've laid down rules. I've got a rug on the floor. They're not allowed to come on the rug. They know that's mom's space. And there's anything that crosses that rug, like you're not allowed to touch that. <laughs> Do not touch. And, you know, I have an eight-year-old, seven-year-old, four-year-old, an eight-month-old. And um, we've, in two years, we've not had a problem with that. They've obeyed, they've managed because it's been so ingrained and it's just been around for so long um, in some form or another, they know. And so I think just creating those habits and creating those boundaries, they understand that. But then at the same time, and I think Emily, you'll get into this as well, um, inviting them into that. So when mommy's here and supervising, there's a space for you. There's a chair for you to sit in and a place for you to color or paint and um, work alongside of me. But, um, but yeah, so I think absolutely having those supplies ready, if it's not organized, it's also unfortunately right next to the laundry room. If laundry falls into this space, I'm not creating that day. I think you have to be very intentional to say this is a sacred space. This is for this purpose only, because if it is full of distractions, then you're not going to be productive. There's too much other stuff going on in your life as it is, and you need to be able to set your mind on that one thing. So, um, so yeah, I'd agree with that completely. And then, you know, Ken, you mentioned in one of our last lessons just recently, uh, or maybe it was a critique, um, kind of that spidey sense, that superpower of when you don't have a lot of time in something, you can be shocked at what you can accomplish. Well, every single mother has had the experience of finding out how much housework they can get done when the kids are taken out of the house for 30 minutes. It's amazing. It's like when they're there, it takes all day. When they're gone, holy cow, I just got the entire basement, the whole entire downstairs cleaned in 30 minutes. It's like, it's something magical happens there. When there's an urgency and a space available for you, it's amazing how much you can get done if you really put your mind to it and you're ready to devote yourself. And can I just jump in and ask, so a lot of people, um, when they're thinking about making space for their work they they intuit that whatever it is that they do have available in their in their home is going to be insufficient or not going to be enough or somehow not going to work i i have a feeling that you have some insight into how to kind of make do with with whatever you got and how to kind of um make sacrifices if they are necessary in order to to really make sure that that space works for you so maybe go a little bit more into that and how you can suggest to people to kind of like how to conceptualize that space in their home. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. My home in England, it was like a two bedroom and I shared that it was the art space, laundry room, guest bedroom, fit everything in the house that couldn't fit anywhere else in that one room. And so, you know, I would have, I had an easel that would fold up. So I would 
pull it out, take it into the living room and I'm watching kids and I just pull out my easel, have it at the couch. And you know, that worked for us for, I was doing that for five years. So that can work. And, and yes, it takes some time to put everything up, pull it out. And that was something I did have to put it away because I couldn't just leave my easel and whatever I was drawing out in the living room to trip over and kid fingerprints and all that stuff on. So it does take some time when you're having to get stuff out and put it away, but it can work. It can work. And, you know, drawing supplies don't take up that much space. They really don't. They're not messy. So you don't have to worry about if the kids get into them, like, am I going to have, you know, solvent spilled on the floor, whatever, you know? So, so drawing has also been something that I've done more of kind of for that reason. But I mean, you can even have a to-go bag, you know, hang that up on the wall and you've always got it ready to pull down and you've got your pencils. And I, I, I don't think a lack of space is too much of a complaint because you can still do it. You can still do it. Yeah. 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 Oh, my, my studio has been in our master bedroom. It has been in our living room and our dining area. And yeah, this is the first time that again, regardless of not having it like a door, it's the first time it's had its own space. So I, it's, we're making some steps, but you absolutely don't have to have it. It helps. But like you said, having the, still having a designated area, maybe you can do like, um, well, first, First of all, like Emily said, with the t- with the go bag, there are so many art materials that are created for traveling artists. So many people who want to work outside or who want to work on it while they're actually traveling um, and have like, I mean, mi- there's miniature paint sets. There's all kinds of things. So explore some of that if you really are tight on space. But um, maybe having one of those rolling carts that has, you can kind of tuck away into a closet or another room when you're not using it. But then that way you can still kind of set up some of your stuff to an extent and have it ready to go when you do have them in it. Yeah. And like Ken does, you just hang things that are drying on the wall, you know, like out of kids reach, just put it on up there. And there's always, there's always a space on the wall. Always. We touched on something just a second ago, which was like actually involving our kids in the art. So like, and I, I know what you're referring to Hannah, but um, in my space here, I have an easel set up for my daughter, London. So she's four, she likes to make messes, but I am okay with all the supplies that I have put in her drawers. She knows she's got crowns and markers and stickers and coloring books. And she's got her easel with her fresh paper. And um, on special occasions, I'll get out the paints and, you know, lay out some paper and stuff. But um, I think doing that is actually like a really special time with your kids. So you don't always have to like escape to do art, you know, like I can actually get real work done when she's in the room with me and she enjoys it because she gets to do the same thing that mom's doing. You know, she enjoys being an artist just like mom. And she tells me that someday I'll be as good as her. So, you know, (laughs) yeah. No lack of confidence there, but um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's sweet time that I know we're, you know, we're getting to make memories together. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think I, I would encourage people to, to not only do art away from their kids, but do it with their kids. So, you know, sometimes I'll do stuff actually with her, you know, and we'll, um, 
we'll set up at the table and do paints together. Um, sometimes I'll try out my elementary art um, projects that I've got set up for my class and I'll like try it out on London and Maddox. Like, hey, what do you guys like? What do you not like? And, you know, see how fun it is. And um, so that's been like great time together. And I just, I think it's really important for them to see what I do first off. I'm not closing the door and working on it away from them, but they can see what mom does standing right next to me. They, they have an understanding of it. And then hopefully I'm passing on a love of art from a young age, you know, and, and how special is that? (laughs) And, and when my, when my kids ask like, Hey, what did, what did you want to be when you were grown up? Like, I wanted to be an artist, guys. Like, I'm actually living my dream. This is pretty awesome. You can too. Like, what do you want to be? And absolutely. And to be able to say that is just incredible. And like, you know, mom's not just around for laundry and meals, you know, like, no, mom's mom's got a job and she's doing awesome. And I get to do it with her sometimes. You know, that's such an important thing to to get to show them and to have them experience with me and hopefully it will be an encouragement to them, you know, as they're growing up. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. I completely agree. Yeah. My kids have um, recently been setting up still lifes on their own and drawing them. And yeah. And they're again, seven and eight. And so that is because they've seen it done. They've done it with me and they've acquired their own appreciation for art. And so even if they don't pursue that long-term, I honestly believe that benefits them. It shows them what they're capable of. It teaches them to appreciate beauty. There's so many benefits. And just as far as learning and education goes, the hand-eye coordination and the memorization as we talk about different artists so many benefits and so they're learning beside you you're helping them grow and develop and like you said Emily they're seeing what you're capable of and what eventually they're capable of regardless of what field they're pursuing and we have a similar story too um one of mine loves to tell my husband that mommy got her dream, but you didn't get yours because my husband wanted to be a baseball player and I wanted to be a mom and an artist. She's like, you got both of the things you wanted and he didn't get, <laughs> so, <laughs> he didn't get to be a professional baseball player, but I got to be a mom and an artist. But yeah, they get to see, um, they get to see how cool it is that like, oh, that is possible. And I'm capable. I love also that it's, being an artist is something special, I think, within a career field. Um, it's so beautiful, I think, that we don't have to fit into any box. Like, I get to be a homeschooling mom of four and be an artist and participate in stuff at church and befriend our neighbors and, 
like have playdates and go on vacations. And like, there's so many things that we, I make work <laughs> and I don't have, I don't have to fit into this. Like, oh, I'm just a stay at home mom. And I also don't have to fit into, oh, I have an outside of the house job. Like there's no specific box or category as an artist, you get to create, you get to make it your job, your position, your career, look how you want it to. So it could mean you leave the house and you have a studio outside of your home all the time. It could, but you get to be the judge of that and decide how to best benefits you and your family. And, um, and again, I think that's just really cool that the kids get to see that and be a part of that, um, seeing that there is no one size fits all. Yeah. And the way you make it happen is you've got to choose what your priorities are, right? So Mm -hmm. we're not saying, we're not saying that art is a priority over the kids or that the kids are always a priority either, you know, or, or our husbands, you know, we have to prioritize and be intentional about all those different areas in our lives. Mm -hmm. Be intentional to have friends out outside of the home, be intentional to do those play dates. Like you said, like all of these aspects are really important and we have to make time to do that. And so that's, that's why it's, it's a juggling act and it's about being intentional with our time and not just kind of being like, Oh, I don't have time to create. Well, you know, did you surf Facebook for a while today? Like what, what are you making time for in your life? And, and you can make time for some of those creative things, even when you think you don't have time, right? So like, for example, I'll sometimes listen to like Ken's podcast, or I listen to a couple other art ones um, that are just really helpful on the drive to school, drop off and pick up because that's time that I'm in the car. I can be doing something with that time, you know, Um, or I mean, I mean, there's different, different things like that, where you might think you're busy, but actually you could still find a way to be involved in the arts, right? You can still find a way to have that creative outlet, even if you're not going to be able to draw that day or paint that day, you can still find ways to stay connected. Um, Hannah and I speak on the phone quite frequently. and That's one way that we can stay connected and, you know, to be able to speak with another artist and share struggles or, or share a project and be like, Hey, what do you see that needs tweaked? And, and to just have that sense of community. We do that sometimes in the car. We do that sometimes at 2 AM. You never know. A few times. <laughs> but, you Absolutely. Know, really important and keeps us connected to the arts, right? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I think that hands down, I have grown more when I've had other artists in my life and my friend circle, whether that's been through Ken's classes online or through our relationship over the phone and Instagram, or um, when I've had friends, I've been able to actually, you know, stop by their studio and talk to them for a little bit, things like that. It doesn't matter as long as it's there and it's happening. It's amazing how other artists can inspire you to create and to work. It's absolutely crucial, I think, and your growth. Um, but I was also going to say, too, we've talked a lot about being stay-at-home moms to our artists. But 
the ability to fit time in for art and to prioritize your art is not something you have to be able to, like, oh, well, you stay at home, so you've got so much more time, which, I mean, again, I homeschool four kids. <laughs> so, well, three kids and then a the, newborn. So um, that's my full-time job. I am not an artist full-time. I slip it in here and there. And same thing like you were saying, Emily, it's, it might be I get to listen to a podcast while I'm cooking. I put headphones on. Um, sometimes it's just way too loud for that, even with headphones, and it's not going to happen. And um, another thing is, like, I am not a big reader, but recently I've tried to just have books, some art books around here and there, where even if I don't read a whole chapter or if I don't make it from cover to cover, I can flip through and look at some of the works there that are 100% inspiring me and giving me ideas for something new. Um, I've started carrying a mini sketchbook in the diaper bag. And so anytime I'm out, it doesn't matter. And it can be a terrible, I posted a really bad sketch on Instagram a couple weeks ago or a week or so ago. It was terrible, but I did it in about 10 minutes with a baby sitting next to me. And that's what time I had. And so I learned some things from that. And so what does, you don't have to be at home and have free time that doesn't actually exist for stay-at-home moms, but um, <laughs> to be able to do this, you can fit this into a nine to five, absolutely, or a third shift or anything. It just is going to, you have to find out those windows for yourself, but they are there. Yeah. Get rid of Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Something else that I think is really important. Yes, we're finding little times, right, to squeeze it in, but also I think it's important to have an actual dedicated time. That is just art, right? So for me, like I, this is something I've worked out with my husband. Tuesday nights are my art night. Like I get to take Ken's class and I'm uninterrupted mostly by the kids, right? Like he's in charge of bedtime and, you know, unless there's blood, I'm not coming out of this room, right? So <laughs> that's, that's something that is working for us for this season, right? Like I've got Tuesday nights, he's in charge. And, and that time is for bettering myself, right? That's for actually learning, challenging myself. So it's important to have a dedicated art night. And that night is a night that like, I personally use to better myself, right? I'm, I'm using it to take a class and to challenge myself and to really like be able to concentrate and get in the zone, um, so it's not just kind of like a mindless, I'm just going about doing my own commission work because I can, I can do that with kids, but this dedicated time is something where I've worked out where I don't have the kids, the doors actually locked. So like no one is coming in, even if they want to, which is, you know, nice to have every now and then. And that's just once a week for me. Um, that's what works for this season. Um, in the past, like when my husband's been deployed, so that's like a six month stint, you know, where I, I don't have that luxury of just passing the kids off. I would actually have a once a week babysitter. And so I just think that that's something really important to be able to take that time for yourself and um, to learn something and to use that time wisely. Um, I don't, I mean, that could be like going to a drawing group, like an art group you know, something, something like that. I, I think that is really important when you can make that work, take an online class to do something that's going to challenge yourself and, and do it 
while the kids are not around. I, I just feel like it's like a refreshing mental health thing. Right. Um, but still have all the time with the kids and, and commission work can be with distractions, but having some time without distractions, really important. And you have to be intentional about it too. Do you have, you're the same on a, on a Tuesday night, really? Right. Most of the time, um, I get every other Tuesday night. So just because of our schedules, he's got a prior engagement on every other Tuesday. And so I, that's the kids get a movie night. And um, about half of that time, the baby's still with me, but thankfully that one is muted and no video. So, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I am, yeah, very similar. Um, right now we're in a less busy season as far as my husband's job goes more as far as like other um, engagements are concerned but with his job it's a little bit calmer than it has been for years so really grateful for that and so if um we don't have an evening taken up right now I usually get one or two hours or he can take the kids and help out um but it has been weeks since there's been more than one night that we've had free. So, <laughs> but yeah, so I'd say it was the same thing. Just prioritizing at least one night, maybe two nights a week where it's uninterrupted time. Yeah. And then after the kids go to bed is a great time to prioritize that stuff too. So I treasure early bedtimes, you know, like, all right, done for the day. And I can, I can get a little bit more serious work done in the evenings. Um, which is actually, I don't want to abandon my husband completely. So I've brought in like a comfy chair. So I'm like, you're welcome to come sit in here anytime and we can have conversation. So, you know, not only are the kids allowed in here, the husband's also allowed in here and, you know, Mitch come talk. Yes. So that's <laughs> when he takes me up on that offer. Um, and um, yeah, cause it's, it's not only Emily time, but welcome. <laughs> Yes. Um, I copied you and I have the chair now too, <laughs> um, which I've had before, but it's been a long time. And so, yeah, it's, it was good to make room for that. And we've used it so much. It's so nice to have him up here and he'll read a book and I'll draw and we'll listen to some good music and art, art, like behind the background music podcast is a must, I think. But um, yeah, that's, yeah, I agree. And I mean, and like you said there again, is I welcome you into my studio sometimes and vice versa. And we'll just kind of be there and chit chat a little bit. We'll critique one another. And that time is precious, but it doesn't have to be, it has to be dedicated. It doesn't have to be uninterrupted in the same sense that um, we're referring to when it's children related. <laughs> one thing I think uh, I'm, I'm getting the hint of is you're talking about the value of being able to call up each other on the phone and talk while you're working, which is, you know, this is something, this is something that I used to do a lot and believe in very, very strongly. Part of the reason uh, that I structure my lessons the way that I do, and unlike, you know, most people who teach online, I don't really focus on pre-recorded videos. Like I want to make sure that I create spaces where people can actually interact because of the way that I was brought up artistically, I feel like I learned so many of my most valuable lessons from my peers, uh, as well as from my teachers. And uh, you two met Adi 
she's she's my classmate, right? And we're still in touch. And so if I need something critiqued, I know that I can send work to her and to other classmates from from my time at painting school, which is ten years ago. So this is like, a very, very important bond to be creating with people who are in similar circumstances. To people listening, I'm assuming most people listening right now don't have this kind of bond. So perhaps describe what that bond is for you and maybe suggest to people who are looking for this bond, how might they go about creating it, especially since you created it you know, with, I'm, I'm assuming across state lines, right? So this is like something that is that is exciting about uh, new possibilities with technologies. And so I think your relationship is just really inspiring. So if you can go a little deeper into that and, and help other people perhaps achieve what you've, what you've gotten. Okay. So um, yeah, Hannah and I met through your class and we immediately bonded over, first of all, we love graphite. So that is like, I feel like I hardly ever find people who are like true graphite, like addicts. I'm like, you love graphite too. Yay. Um, So we bonded over that. And then we soon found out that we have kids. So huge bonding moment over that. Um, We found out that we're both Christian bonded over that. It was just like so many things came up that were like, okay, we're very similar. We should be friends. And, um, here we are talking multiple times a week and, and it's just been really great because, you know, we're both in Ken's class together. So we're working on similar projects. Um, and I think our commission styles are also quite similar. So we both do portrait art for people and, um, we've been able to talk through some of those projects and, it's, it's really great to be able to have someone to bounce ideas off of. And I mean, this started from just online, you know, hi, my name's Emily. I saw you in Ken's class, you know, and um, it's just formed into a great friendship. But I, I think that that's been an important thing throughout my life, right? I've, I've had that in different times and different places. Um, I, I still have a friend from college who is also now in Ken's class because I'm a pusher and like, Hey, you're going to love this and you're going to thank me for it. So you have to sign up. And, you know, so now she's also in that, but, you know, she was someone who was my art buddy in college. And so we could always help critique each other and help study art history kind of, and all all the things. Um, I had that, you know, back when I lived in Texas, I, I worked at a, at an art center and so had a drawing group and stuff. So you just kind of find your people, right? Like, okay, we can, we can jam because our, our drawing styles are similar and, and um, it's wonderful to be able to like ask honest opinions from someone who, you know, is going to give an honest opinion. Like, I don't want to hear, looks great. That's actually not helpful. Like, sure. Okay. You think it looks great. Moving on what's wrong with it? Help me with this. Mm-hmm. What, what am I missing? You know, to have a second set of eyes. Oh, amazing. So even if we had nothing in common besides art, she would be my second set of eyes. And I could, I know I can call her or send a picture over and be like, ah, what do I do? So yes, it's been wonderful. Well, first of all, I think I'm the one who reached out to you. So okay. this friendship's probably, I mean, well, we probably have to thank Ken 
before, but then after that, me. So. <laughs> oh goodness, no. Um, yeah, it's been. I think it's just been invaluable. I've told her over and over again how grateful I am um, that we have this friendship. But yeah, you have to put yourself out there. I mean, regard joking aside, whoever reached out to you first, you have to reach out. If you just post in Discord or if you just like someone's picture on Instagram, you're not going to build relationships that way. Social media can be a distraction. It can be a comparison game that's discouraging and brings you down, but it can also be an amazing tool for inspiration and for connectivity. So use it as such, put yourself out there. If they don't respond or they're rude, then okay, they're lost. Move on to the next person. Like you have to reach out and put yourself out there and make some friends and you will be all the better for it. Um, and I think they will be too. Yeah. Just building this community is so invaluable. And like you said, Ken, it doesn't just go away. It's there for years so often of the time. And, um, yeah, I, I'd say just, you have to pursue it. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's really cool. Like when you're, when you're able to be like, like for us, like, Hey, mom's supporting each other. Right. Because I think a lot of moms just decide to put their, their dreams or their aspirations on hold, right? This is a season. I just can't put myself first. And it's not about putting yourself first, but it's about realizing that you don't have to put yourself on hold. Right. And so to make another artist, mom, a friend and be able to encourage them in that way, I think is so wonderful. And so, like you were saying with social media, can be a good tool. Like I have found a lot of artist moms out there and like, I'll just write a little comment and be like, you're doing great. I'm loving this from one artist mom to another kind of thing. You know, there's just an immediate bond there of like, I just wanted to encourage you right now. And that's, that's what I want to do for other parents out there. Like, don't, don't put yourself on hold, you know, like let's figure out a way of, of making this work for everyone. And and I just love that we can encourage you to each other through, you know, social media or, or, or through a podcast chatting about it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think it's amazing. I don't know if you've had this experience with other people outside of you and I, but, um, artists are typically pretty awesome. I mean, I would put them like, I've always said like hikers are really cool people. Artists are really cool people. (laughs) They're just friendly. Now you'll obviously there's exceptions, but in my experience, for the most part, people have been far more friendly than they have been competitive, far more approachable than standoffish or snobby. Um, again, for the most part, it's just amazing how art can bring people together when you're passionate about something and it's for the art and not for the business behind it. You can build some amazing relationships and really benefit from the knowledge that each of you has. And everyone has a little bit, right, of knowledge. Even if you are a beginner, there's someone who hasn't started yet. You can always be there to encourage people and to um, help each other pursue your journey or our journey together, no matter which level you're at. And so I think that it's really important to not just think, what can I get out of this if I reach out to somebody, but how can I be moving the arts forward? How can I befriend someone or encourage someone? Just like you said, Emily, with the just saying, Hey, you're doing a great job. It's so, it's so, it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. And people like Ken are busy 
And so just because someone has a few thousand followers doesn't mean that they are ready to just drop everything so that they can give you a critique. Like reach out to some other artists, like give everybody a chance to pitch in a little bit. <laughs> we got something to say. <laughs> I could jump in on it and also say this is this is one of my uh, hobby horses where I think that anybody's opinion on your art is usually valuable, even if it's the most mm-hmm. untrained set of eyes. I w- one of the things that I love to riff on the most is that I think it's been a mistake that the art world has become so exclusive and so elitist. I don't presume to paint. such that only uh, educated, you know, uh, well-versed people will be able to appreciate my art. I want to paint the kind of art that hopefully uh, people who are not involved in art can, can have opinions on and can enjoy and can appreciate. So for me, if I'm painting a painting and, you know, all my artist friends are like, you go, Ken, like it's all going really well for you, but, but untrained people or God forbid people with 200 followers uh, see it and they're disappointed, I'm not satisfied with that. So for me, having the opportunity to bring people into into the practice and to and to have people that, you know, whose opinions uh, I respect give feedback on my work is is valuable regardless of whether or not they are fully in the field or just a compassionate human being that I know wants the best for me, right? As long as that per, you know, it's way better for me to seek the opinion of somebody who has my best interest at heart as opposed to some, you know, um, expert artist uh, whose intentions are in doubt. Does that make sense? Oh, definitely. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, we were also joking, um, <laughs> very well-intentioned people um, have told both of us that our master copies are better than the original. And that is so offensive. Do not, because that means I've done something terribly wrong. So don't just tell me what you think I want to hear. <laughs> But when you get someone who's not just a friend or that you know closely, you're going to get more truthful responses typically because they don't have anything to lose. They're willing to be a little bit more honest. <laughs> or if there's silence, then that's usually another good sign that there might be something going on with your work because <laughs> they don't want to say something. Yeah. Uh, about both of your master copies, sorry for this is going to be the let, let me bring the listeners in. So both Emily and Hannah have produced in recent months just spectacular copies, some of which are hanging on the walls behind them. I can see Emily's Bugaro, I can see Hannah's ink. I very much remember uh, the Rubens copy, the ongoing uh, Bugaro pencil copy. It's all happening, right? And these these are amazing. and 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 beyond beyond the, very much warranted compliments, there are questions that arise from it. And, and I think there's, there's two main questions. So feel free to take them up in any order. One is how, how to frame this. Assuming you have uh, kind of like tight time blocks in which you can work and very limited uh, number of hours that you can spend in the studio, how do you manage to A, devote all that time To a very long, long process that just requires a crazy amount of patience uh, as opposed to like saying, "Oh my God, I have two hours, let me paint four paintings. You know what I mean? Like I can definitely see that if I were in that situation, I would feel extremely tempted to jump in there and just produce a ton of work, and it might it might have co- it might cost me 
the patience that you two have demonstrated in those projects, uh, seemingly as if you're 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 total you're totally un um, unaffected by the restriction of time. It, it's not compromising the quality of the work. So maybe if you could go into how you managed to do that, and then if I can just pile on another question on top of it, so that I don't have to cut off the flow again. The second the second question that comes up is how do you manage to devote any time at all to work that is not quote unquote original right this is this is this is work that uh, later on like i'm assuming when i do master copies which i do a ton of i don't expect to show them in a gallery i don't put my name on them for me this is like this these are exercises that i do because i know they teach me a lot but i can imagine that if i was under time constraints I might prioritize things that are more quote unquote me or represent my artistic voice or my artistic style. And I might have felt less inclined to copy the work of the masters. And yet you two managed to prioritize it. And I, of course, very strongly endorse your decision, but I would like you to kind of try to bring listeners into your state of mind and how you manage to make these decisions uh, as opposed to what I imagine are the more intuitive states of mind that people inhabit under these kinds of constraints. So take it away. I, I've got a lot of thoughts on that. Um, I do too. <laughs> we can go for a while on this one. <laughs> so um, when you were talking about like, you know, this is a master copy and so it's not going to be, you know, hung in a gallery and all that stuff. That is absolutely true. But to me, I I have to dedicate that time because when I'm, when I'm doing work on that master copy, I'm learning and, and that learning is going to translate into better commissions. You know, I, I, I know that every step that I take in improving that master copy is going to translate in, in ways that I can then improve other artistic things that I'm doing. So I don't just have one project going at a time. I normally have, I don't know, two or four, some, somewhere around there. Um, going. And so I'll make myself work on my commission because, and, and I, and I have a schedule, you know, I've got a, a planner, a weekly planner of like, this is when I need to do this commission. This is when I need to do this one. And so I've, I've got it lined up actually through Christmas now. So, you know, I've, I've got it all scheduled, the ones that I have to get done, but in that time, I make sure not to overbook myself because I am making time for classwork because I'm making time to improve my skills. And when I'm improving my skills, I'm getting faster at commissions. I'm getting better at them. I'm able to produce more quality of what my customers want. And, and I feel better about it. It's, it's almost like when I do a master copy, it's like this cleanse, right? You're just in such a lovely state of mind that I would never want to rush my classwork. I, you know, Ken has joked with me about my background, which I don't know, I probably spent like seven hours making that thing as black as it is and no little dots, right? Like, and, and, and I was completely serene while doing it. You know, I, um, it's something I, I enjoyed doing. So I prioritize that and, and I, I make sure that that is in my schedule. I have it blocked out. I have it written down so that it's not just ever going to be something that goes away. And to me, that, that is an important part of just my artistic journey. I always want to be learning. I never want to be stagnant and 
only doing what I'm comfortable doing. There's so much that can be absorbed from the masters, you know, just looking at them and drooling and just like, ah, like it's, it's wonderful. And, and then, so, so when I get my commission work done as a reward, I get to do my, you know, master copies and stuff. Or sometimes I start with that and then I'm like, okay, okay, I've got to, I've got to get to more pressing items, but yeah. So that's, that's just kind of personally how I, how I do it all. I'm basically just going to repeat everything you said. Um, although I'd say our, our, um, I don't know the way we tackle our workloads is definitely a little bit different. Um, for starters, I have not done a lot of portraiture up until this past year. So I done quite a bit in my past and then I end up getting into this handbound book thing. And it, I kind of got, had a little crush on that and fell madly in love and started making these books, but that took me away from drawing. And then I realized how much I missed it and that that was a completely big mistake. <laughs> so and I still love bookbinding and I still do com- commissions for that, but I've not been doing like studio work, I guess, for, for the uh, notebooks anymore um, and rerouting that attention to drawing. And so I'm almost getting back into it. So I don't have the same number of commissions that you have. And so that definitely affects what I'm able to do and what time I'm able to put in. Um, and I do have some, I just finished one. I've got another one in the queue and, um, I just finished a few custom notebooks as well. And so like, it's, they're, they're there, but I'm not booked through December. So there's a little bit more flexibility. Um, but all that to say, um, it's not that it's different. Like you said, there's no, in my mind, there's barely categories. They, is there's so much crossover, um, if, I mean, well, perfect example that that master copy is the first time I've used charcoal in a completed piece. It's the first time I've used that, uh, used color in a portrait and, um, not a week or two after I got a commission for a portrait in that style in that color, you know, and so it there's huge, huge crossover that gave me a new skill that I didn't have before. And that now I'm able to use as a commission. And now I can use it for my own studies and for my own sketches. And I mean, just anything, anything, it opens up an entire world of possibilities just from one new technique. And the more and more that those grow, and I get less and less rusty and I can brush up on what I learned in high school art <laughs> um, too many years ago, uh, <laughs> then the, that's going to affect my commissions as well. And more importantly, in my opinion, my eventual studio work, which has been very little because I've either been focusing on classwork or commissions for the most part and then a sketch here and there. But um but yes, I would love, I have got all these ideas. Actually, to sum up this thought, again, I'll reference Ken and probably many of your classes, you've mentioned that when you are working on a piece, you need to have a goal in mind. Well, for that master copy, I wanted to see what I was capable of. And so I made the decision at the beginning, I'm going to spend as much time on this as I need to. If I think I can fix a mistake I see, I'm going to do it. I just wanted to see, am, 
what am I capable of? And I showed myself and it took me months and I'm behind on classwork that I really want to do, but that was important to me. That was my goal. And I learned so much from it. Well, now I've got all these ideas for um, collections that I have in my head that I've had in my head for years, to be honest. And I didn't, I had the goal in mind, but I didn't have the skill mastery to complete what was in my head. And so now as I can collect more and more knowledge and more and more practice from things like master copies or other classwork, I will be able to reach those goals. So I feel like that was long-winded, but (laughs) does that answer that question? (laughs) Beautiful. It's true. Also, master copies, museums museums yes we talk about that like oh my goodness I missed out for years I've I've gone to galleries many 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 times for living artists and learned a lot and loved those and was able to support people just by showing up and enjoying and hyping them on social media whatever but my goodness gracious I just went to our local museum here and was blown away and I was kicking myself for how many museums I've missed and how long it's been since I've gone. It's the amount of wisdom in those galleries, those museums, those hallways. It's, it's amazing. Like I, I live uh, in the DC area, so I'm close to the national gallery, which is amazing guys. If you're anywhere close, You've got to go because, oh, there's so many beautiful artworks there. Um, But I can chat for a little bit about kids in museums because they can be done, you know? Um, You know, not only have I taken my own kids there, but I also took like a whole, my, my whole elementary art class, which ranges from, you know, kindergarten to sixth graders. And they loved it, guys. Um, It's, it's so wonderful to expose children to the masters early on and like actual masters. Like we saw the only Da Vinci in America there. Guys, what an opportunity. They got to see that in person. And and we talked about, you know, when we saw, when we saw it, you know, she's turned three quarters and like, oh, let's talk about like how he positioned that. That's the first one that we, that we've got an example of like before it was all like this. And, you know, talking about portraiture, talking about the Renaissance, talking about what's the difference between this and the Raphael room. And we went in there and they, they talked about the, the colors and how much brighter they were. They talked about, we were able to talk about, um, you know, different religious icons, you know, oh, how do we know this is Mary? She's wearing blue and red. Like they remembered that from classes. Guys, kids are sponges and they just soak up so much. And it's incredible. Like when we then saw all these pieces in person, they're just spouting back this information that we talked about in class. And oh, it's so heartwarming. It's so wonderful, but they were loving it. So I, I just think it's really important. If you are close to any kind of museum, take your kids, take your kids and, and see what they're drawn to. Right. So if they're old enough, let like talk with them about, you know, what are the subjects? What do you like about it? What do you not like? How does this make you feel? Like, do you think it's making you feel this way because of the colors? Like, what are the paint strokes like in this piece compared to this piece? Like, you know, there, 
we, we saw Aang where there's no brush strokes at all. And it's so smooth. And then we saw, I don't know, Sergeant, we saw Van Gogh. They loved Van Gogh, which, you know, of course, just, they, they loved it. And my son's favorite uh, painting there is called the, the seasick baby. He he's named it that of course, because the baby's got this like kind of greenish color, kind of Toulouse-Lautrec reminds you that kind of green anyways. So, you know, like let them be silly about it. But at the end of the day, like he was talking about Van Gogh. He remembered that the seasick baby was by Van Gogh. And how cool is that? Like to be speaking about an artist with, with the kids. So I'm an advocate of go ahead and take them. And like, even my four-year-old, you know, I took her to the art museum well, on multiple occasions, but she does great. You know, we bring the sketchbook and, and she's one of those like, Oh, well, if mom's doing it, I want to do it. You know? So she brings her sketchbook, she brings her colors and we just park it in front of a painting. And she's like, good for like 10 minutes. In fact, she wanted to stay longer in a room because she wasn't done with her drawing. And, and so I'm like walking around to all the different things thinking we need to move on. And she's like, I'm not finished yet. So great. I will continue staring at the sergeant then. Thank you for allowing me this time. So, um, and, and then she came home talking about it and talking about how fun it was. And Anytime I say we're going into DC, she asks if we're going to the art museum. The answer is 90% of the time, yes. <laughs> Most recently, I took um, all four of mine, but then also um, there's a young lady that I've been drawing with once a week um, who's 13, and she's also homeschooled. And so I was able to bring her along, and I just called her mom on a whim and said, Hey, does she have time for a field trip today? And it was great because then I had a babysitter too. Um, so I was able to tag team with her, but yeah. So then we had 13, eight, seven, four and a newborn and it was wonderful. It was absolutely amazing. And, um, the four-year-old ended up on my phone on Netflix by the end of it, but you know, he's four and the other, the girls, they drew and drew and drew with me. And same thing, same experience as you had. There were times they weren't ready to leave a room yet because they weren't finished. Or um, can I draw one more, mom, before we go to the next place? And they were so into it. And they were just completely wowed by the beauty around them. And um, even if they couldn't remember the names of the artists, you know, they absolutely referenced the pieces for weeks later. And I saw it in their little, they have, they have sketchbooks. Um, we actually call them sugar books. Fun little fact because of Rebecca Sugar and um, her contribution to Steven Universe and anime and or not anime cartoon I guess was illustration but um, they love and we've talked about how beautiful and wonderful it is to have your own sketchbook and so they each have their own books that they draw in regularly every night before bed and they brought them to the museum and it was it's great it's absolutely great. Um, to see that they're again, like their own critiques of those art pieces, like you pointed out, what great analytical thinking. Um, they're learning to think for themselves and to view their world around them and through their own lens and be able to communicate what they see and how they feel. Amazing things to support their learning and their growth. It's just, it's so beneficial. <laughs> 
we kind of jumped into this conversation about museum and then all three of us are like nodding. Yeah, museum, museums are awesome. Uh, but believe it or not, sometimes I would talk to people, even, even art enthusiasts or even artists who are like, I don't know if I enjoy museums. I go in there and it kind of makes me feel bad about myself because I see all these great things and I, I don't know how to do that. And so it just almost brings them like a, a, ver- a flavor of self-awareness that is counterproductive to their creativity. I'm wondering if you have anything to say to, to, to the people who are like, why are, why are these nerds geeking out about museums? Like, I don't, I don't get why you would spend a day that way. Perhaps, perhaps walk us through that. Well, first of all, I think it was maybe an artist. I don't remember who at this point, but someone said, have no fear of perfection. You'll never reach it. So let's just start off with that. Like, don't try to be the people in that, in that museum, separate that. And it's not about you. It's about what you can take away from that and what those pieces, how how those pieces have benefited the world and how um, just the the sheer beauty and genius of them. Um, Enjoy it. Enjoy that. And then let it absolutely inspire you and push you and make you want to do better. But it in no way reflects your, is a reflection on your own limitations. They are their art pieces and you have your own art pieces. Um, So I would start with that. (laughs) And, and I can understand that sentiment when it's like, the more, you know, the more you realize how much you don't measure up. Right. So when you're going into a museum, you're, you're like learning how much of a gap there is. Like that is true, but rather than viewing it as this like unattainable gap, which it is, (laughs) look at things that, that you can identify and you can bring into your own work, right? Like how did he handle this compositionally? Oh, what, what color did they use to capture this, this sunset? Oh, I, I, I saw that in nature and I was curious how to put that on a canvas, you know, let it inspire you, you know, go into it. And, you know, it's kind of like shopping, right? Like what, what can I take from this master? What can I take from this master? How can I apply that to my own work? Right. You can be encouraged by that. Like you don't have to sit there and go, well, I can't paint like Raphael, like probably not. That's okay. What can you do like him? What, what can you be inspired by and bring into your own work, right? So I I like to think of the different the different things I can shop around and and say, oh, I like this, I like this, I love this composition, these colors, you know. Or and and it it jogs my mind on things that we've talked about in class, right? Like Ken will bring something up, he'll show some kind of a master copy or a master work, and while we're doing our master copies or something, and teach us some new term. And then I'm like, I go into the museum and I'm seeing it over and over and over and over. I'm like, Oh my goodness, like, this is so exciting. And so it brings out the nerd in me. Like I learned something in class and now I'm seeing it in person and it's just makes my heart happy. (laughs) So yeah, I'm encouraged by a museum trip. So much to be learned and to gain and, and just inspiration. Yeah. Everything, everything you said. And I think that um, yeah, combining that with this, like I said, the idea, like their work is their work and yours is yours, like shot from them, take from them, but ultimately just enjoy, enjoy them. Um, nobody seems to have a problem watching football and 
being discouraged that they don't play football. Like, I don't know. I don't know football, so I can't give you a single name. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Whoever is really good and famous, you still enjoy watching them. (laughs) So, oh, goodness. Um, So, yeah, think of it more like that. Like, you might you might think like, oh, they made a really great play. And next Thanksgiving, I'm going to try some version of that with my family. (laughs) And go into it like how my kids went into the museum, right? Like they would look at something that we talked about in class and they're like, oh, and they would get so excited. And then they would start thinking off the things that they could remember, right? Like it was, it was this exciting thing for them. Like, I remember this, we learned about this. And so it would jog their mind about that. It would reinforce what we learned. And then it, and, and they could see like how, what we, like the project that we did in class actually related to it. And they'd be like, oh yeah, I did this. Like, you know, with Van Gogh, we, we did an oil, uh, oil pastel project. Right. And, and we copied his strokes. We had to do it in the motion that his fields, you know, we talked about, oh, it looks like the wind is blowing the grass. Like, can you make it look like the wind is blowing your grass. Like how, how, how did he do that? How did he do that with the strokes? Okay. Yeah. And did he just use one color? Did he use multiple colors? You know? And so they're talking about like, we did this, you know, we could do this. We did those strokes. We made it look like this. And how encouraging, you know, is that like, just think of it as like the kids did, like they were so excited. Hey, we did this too. But then at the end of the day, they were able to see how the master did it and, and learn even more from that. So I think it's just an all around good experience for everybody. So one thing I'm positive, a few listeners are thinking right now is going back to an earlier topic that you two brought up. Both of you are talking about commissions and a lot of people are hearing this and saying, how are they getting those commissions? I want to be getting commissions. These, the, uh, what's your secret? I could start. Um, well, I've been doing commissions now for probably uh, 10 or 12 years, something like that. Um, but, but really seriously building it up the past, oh, I don't know, four, five ish. Um, and, and, you know, letting it be known that you're an artist is the first thing there. Letting it be known that it's not just a hobby. That's an important thing too. Like, when people are like, oh, what a fun hobby. I know they do it with the best intentions, but like you can correct them and be like, actually, it's like a job, you know, I'm taking it very seriously and, and letting them know that it, it is a serious occupation. It's not just something you do for fun, even though it is fun. Um, but these commissions are hard work, you know? Um, and so, so letting them know that, that there's a value to them is, is important. Um, but I, I think largely where I got started was, was word of mouth. Um, and you know, being in a military community, we just, we do have a tight knit community. And so, um, one person gets a commission, then someone else in the squadron is like, well, I want, I want you to draw my kids. All right. Pay me. I will. And, you know, and, and, and it goes on and on from there. And, um, so now, you know, maybe it's 50% of the time, someone I know or a friend of a friend. And then, um, but as my business has grown, um, 
I've, I've put together a website. So I do think that that's important to have, um, as a resource, when, when people are contacting you to be able to send them to a website that's professional, that has, um, examples of your work, it has a price list. So it's just really clear. I I would get so many, um, so many vague messages of just like, Hey, can you draw this? And how much would it be without dimensions, you know, charcoal or pencil, um, how many subjects, all, all the questions. So, so for, for me, it was really helpful to have a website and just be like, here, go to my website, become familiarized with it. And then, and then let me know if you have any questions so that I wasn't having to answer and ask so many questions. Um, so I, I do think having a website is an important thing. Um, and, and just this past year, I've started, um, trying to build up my Instagram more just, um, to get new clients. And I think that is responsible for how I've gotten more than, um, just the people in my immediate community, um, who are contacting me for commissions and stuff. I, I think social media has, has quite a bit to do with that. Um, which on that note, this is slight tangent, but, um, I don't want my kids to feel like they're second to my phone. Right. So I do try to, um, do Instagram time either at night, um, or when they're at school. Right. So, and, and my way of doing that is I can plan posts in advance, just get, there's a lot of different apps for it, right. Plan your posts in advance. And then you're not thinking about it every day. You can just have something posted and then you've got your content. And, and for me, that's directly proportionate to the number of people who are contacting me for commissions, right? They see what you can do. And then they're like, Oh, Hey, I just remembered Emily posted that thing. So now I'm going to like message her because that was cool. And I want her to do that for my kids or do a sonogram or what, whatever it is that they're, they're wanting me to do. That's a good reminder for them to go ahead and message Emily, right. You know, when they're seeing those things pop up. So, but at the same time, I'm trying not to do that and let that take away time from the kids. I don't know. I think Hannah, are you the same way with kind of trying not to? Um, I try with them being home the whole day and homeschool. It's, it feels a little bit more difficult sometimes, but I do try, I'm obviously not teaching while on my phone. (laughs) So, so we do, um, we'll do a break between each subject usually where they get a quick like recess or, you know, playtime. And that's usually when I can sneak in, like check my messages or my email or uh, post something to Instagram if I need to, things like that. Um, But yeah, as far as commissions go, usually, um, yeah, word of mouth at the beginning there. I think what you said, I would not have thought of that, but absolutely just telling people you're an artist. I was so shy of that when I first started out. So embarrassed, even like almost like felt like I was bragging or trying to promote myself, which I guess I was, but in a negative way. And um, I just saw that so negatively. Like, I, I don't know. It was very uncomfortable for me. And you have to get past that. Absolutely. Be willing to promote yourself. Um, it's still uncomfortable, but if someone's like, oh, I'd love to see your work sometime, show them your work. If you have their number or you're friends with them, send it to them. Like, here's a link. You asked about it. You can't be shy if you want commissions because you won't get them there. Um, 
yeah, you've got to put yourself out there once again, just like with friendships, it's and in, in the within our community. Um, another thing I would say is outside of word of mouth and even outside of Instagram, um, with my notebooks, I've done quite a few markets. And I've not yet done that with my um, drawings, but I would love to get to that point where I've got enough studio work that I can. It, and I know many friends who have done markets with their artwork. It is a phenomenal way to let people see your work in person because a screen cannot cannot depict what you have nearly as well as seeing it in real life. Um, so if you have an opportunity for a farmer's market or a Christmas festival or fair or anything like that, that a local shop is putting on and you can, you have enough work to fill a small table, take that opportunity. You meet some amazing artists and your community will grow. Your client base will grow. You'll learn a lot of things and it's so much fun. So, um, I know I look forward to doing more of those someday, but I, now that COVID is kind of hopefully <laughs> allowing us to get back out there in most areas of the world, um, we can, those think markets are opening up again, such a valuable resource. And even if you only do one or two a year, again, just the amount of foot traffic that you're getting, you have so many new followers and potential friendships, potential customers, just from a few hours of work on one Saturday. That's awesome. Another thing I want to add to the word of mouth commissions is once you do one commission, do or when you get a commission, right? Even if it's not a subject that you love, do it to the best of your ability. Do it standard. Don't just check the box. I can I'm sure they'll be happy enough with it. Like do it to your best standard and um, turn it in early, whatever the deadline is. That, that your client had. Don't, don't fulfill that artist stereotype of being unorganized and unable to, you know, do a deadline. Like don't fulfill that type. Get it turned in early and, and they will have high praise to say about your work, first of all, because you've done it to the best of your ability. And, and, and they'll let people know that you're good to work with, right? They're, they're not just going to keep it in their house and be quiet about it because they're going to be so excited to share it with their friends and neighbors. They're going to post it on their Instagram. They're going to tell people, oh yeah, she's great to work with. She'll, she'll get it done for you. Like, when do you need it done by? She'll, she'll let you know if she can get it done in time. And if you can't get it done in time, do not say that you can. Do not promise that and put yourself in a pickle. Put that pressure oh, absolutely. on or you're staying up till 2 a.m. every mm. day for a week just to get this done, have complete burnout and like, forget your other life. Like you, you just need to be honest and be like, Hey, actually I could give you a gift card that says it's coming at whatever date so that you have something physical to open up, but I cannot have this done in that amount of time. Just be honest about it. Also, please learn from my mistakes. Not everyone gets a discount. Just because you worked out next to them at the gym, they do not get 50% off or 25% off or no, you don't know. <laughs> you charge what you charge unless it's like your mom. Like, <laughs> And if they don't want to pay it and it's not some charitable event, then you know what? You can spend that time growing your talent by doing classwork from Kim. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I find that's another way of, 
why it's important to have a website because it's got prices listed. And so you, they see, you know, like, no, this is, this is the price. Okay. So I want to jump in with something. Um, something that I learned from the online interaction that I had with students that I didn't have the opportunity to really learn when I was teaching in person is how much students want to study drawing as opposed to painting, which is something that I didn't, I didn't realize at first because I was just, I started my online lessons. It was like painting, 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 pour that paint. Let me drink some solvent, like put all that stuff together for me. And I just kept on getting feedback from, from the class and, and, and from you two also, like, can we do some drawing? Can we do some pencil? Can we do some pastel? Can we do some charcoal? And I have learned to understand the value of drawing, especially for people who are having to juggle multiple things at once. So um, perhaps tell everybody the value of drawing, especially uh, for people living in the modern environment uh, under modern uh, circumstances. And, uh, and, and, and also go into the fact that, I mean, both of you are doing drawings professionally. Those commissions that you're talking about are, are mostly drawings, right? Well, I've just always loved drawing. Like from day one, you know, three-year-old Emily loved drawing and, and now 34-year-old Emily loves drawing as well. Um, I, I think it's something that, I mean, there's just always something to learn and, and it's even when you're a beginner, right? There's, there's so much to learn from drawing. I feel like it's so beneficial to learn drawing first and then all the way when you're advanced, there's always something to learn. There's always some way that you can push it further. That's, you know, I think one of the reasons why Hannah and I went so far with the master copies, right? Because there was still more that we wanted to learn. And, and even with drawing, it gave us the opportunity to learn a, a new technique. So these were, you know, the, uh, four color drawings. So we used black, white, red, and yellow. And the, um, the color range that that gave us was incredible. Right. And that's all drawing. So I think it's just incredible how much you can achieve through dry media. And, you know, there are, are purists with paint who are going to say that will never equal, you know, a painting, but you can get pretty close. You can you can really push it a lot farther than what people know. And so if you haven't taken a Ken class, you better take one because you will learn so much. Like it's just incredible um, to not become stagnant in my drawing, right? Like I've always been a black and white artist. Well, many, many years, it's just been black and white, right? And, and I love the delicacy that that can bring. I love the drama that that can bring. I love the different textures you can create, but, um, you know, there was still more to learn with the dry media. And so I think that's been incredible to get to explore that the past, um, almost two years or so. Um, it's been wonderful. So there's, there's just so much that can be done with drawing. And also it's so easy to get in and out. It's, there is no cleanup required. If you don't want to just leave your pencils out. It does nothing like there's no brush cleaning up. There's no solvents. It's, it is great when you have kids around to, you can bring it in the car. And while you're waiting in the school pickup line, do a sketch in the car. You can take it with you to the museum, do a sketch in the museum. 
Um, it's just so easy when you're on the go and it's, it's a great medium to push far and have those completed projects that you're coming back to time and time again, and they can just always stay out. It's wonderful. I love drawing. I completely agree. All of the things that you said, it's so convenient. It's something you can do quickly. It's something you can spend a really long period of time on, safe for kids, low mess, um, all of it. Uh, it's also very cheap, mm-hmm. very, very cheap compared to paint. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this is blasphemy to you kids, but for Aang as a, as a perfect example, I've just always been trying to pencil. I actually like his draftsmanship even better than his painting. I, and I mean, Da Vinci, like the sketches in his sketchbook, I like those better than a lot of his completed works. I don't know what that is in me, but I've just been drawn to them for as long as I can remember. And um, yeah, skipping recess to color and draw. And I mean, even growing up, um, I had I had the opportunity to paint. I owned paints, but it always came back to, to a pencil. So um, I still would love to push myself and get into painting. I absolutely think that an artist should push past their boundaries and their comfort zones and grow in different mediums where it's available to them. Um, but I don't see that love for pencil and I might make some room for charcoal now <laughs> um, <laughs> being um, replaced. Yeah. Yeah. Not entirely anyway. What you were saying about like loving the Da Vinci stuff even better. Like I think when I see stuff like that, it's almost like this peek behind the curtain, right? Like drawing is this beautiful insight into the artist's mind and you can see their plan. You can see what they were thinking. You can see their pencil strokes or, you know, ink strokes or or whatever it happens to be. You can see where their mind was at and what they were planning. And I, I love, it feels like the sneak peek, like something we're not supposed to see, but we are. And, and so for me, like, I love, I love seeing like, like the Aang drawings and stuff as well. And it reminds you that uh, these artists were just human as well. And they were studying and practicing as well. When we were looking at um, his drawings of the contests, I found it really fascinating that his drawings of her looked very different. Like one looked one way, one looked another way, one looked another way. And I'm like, oh, these could be the contest's sisters. <laughs> and so I was like, he was trying to nail down what she looked like in his sketches as well. You know, he wasn't just this all knowing I put paint down and magic happens. He had to plan for that. He had to sketch, he had to figure out her proportions. And so that's important for us as well, right? We walk into the museum, we see something unattainable and we, you know, could just choose to give up or we could go, oh yeah, there was a lot of planning involved in this. There was a lot of drawing. There was a lot of practice. And so drawing is just such a great way of working out those things. And if you want to then turn it into massive, beautiful masterpiece painting, great. And if you want to push your drawing as far as you can, you can, you can push it pretty far and then frame it, you know, it can still be safe. It can still be on acid free paper and, you know, it can still be your own masterpiece and, and drawing can still be a means to an end there. It doesn't have to be a painting for it to be, you know, something you can be proud of. 
that style has just always been so breathtaking to me. Not only do you get to kind of see the finished piece deconstructed, if it is an, if it is a sketch that was um, in anticipation for a painting, um, but also it's almost like a peek into the artist's world and into the artist's mind. You get to see the behind the scenes. You get to feel like you were getting to know the artist a little bit. Um, I mean, in a modern version of that is like when we see artists on Instagram show some of the best behind the scenes, when we get to see them start a sketch from the very beginning and you get to actually see that process, you feel like you get to know them a little bit. It personalizes the piece, I think. Yeah, it like makes your art more important to you because you have seen the process. Yes. You feel connected to it. Absolutely. Ken, you might be able to speak more about this, but I know there's the Jacques-Louis David drawings at the Met, which I am heartbroken. I cannot get up to New York to see in person, but I was definitely like drooling over them online, but it's just a whole exhibit of like his drawings and his plans and oh my goodness, they're breathtaking. And to see that peek behind just this master, it's incredible Mm -hmm. and you can like see his plans beforehand i mean yeah i didn't i didn't want to go too deeply into that just because i didn't want to rub it into anybody (laughs) who can't make it to new york it is it is but yeah no it's 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 by far one of the best exhibitions i've i've ever seen i've seen it twice so far and i plan to go back again and I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still collecting my thoughts on that exhibition, but you can be sure that I'm going to be monologuing on it uh, in the near future because it is absolutely breathtaking. And on the same note of uh, pulling back the curtain, I'm going to pull back the curtain for our listeners and tell you that this podcast is being recorded at night, which is not, not my custom because, <laughs> hey, we make it work and, and all uh, in the spirit of, of the conversation. But I think uh, I think we're gonna we, we this might be a good note to end on. So perhaps if uh, both of you can uh, can come up with like your finest piece of either advice or or motivational note to say to those of us who have a hard time, you know, incorporating art into their busy lives, but would love to do it. What what do we say to these peoples before we wrap up? Um, you make time for what you love. It's just that's seen over and over again. You make time for what you love. And so look at your life. And if you love art, you can do it. You can do it. And it is not always going to look like what it looks like on Instagram or Pinterest, but enjoy it. Art is beautiful and it can better your everyday and feed your soul in ways you can't imagine if you'll let it. When you're busy, you just have to be more intentional about what you do with that time and, and how you spend it. And it doesn't have to be art or kids or family or friends, you know, it can be both. And I think kind of looking at the way that, um, just, just looking how, how your life is right. Figure out ways of making them work together and figure out ways that you can carve out those, those moments of time and just be really intentional about it. You know, when you've got a spare, even five minutes, what, what could I do to further me along? Right. You can make a list of things to complete when, when the kids go to bed, you could, um, like if I want 
to paint, I, I can get everything taped out. I can get my reference ready and I can have my palette sitting there ready to go. So just it's, it's getting rid or not getting rid of it's, it's knocking off those things that have to happen in order to create, just be really intentional about what can I do in these little moments to help me get to a place where I can create, right? Don't waste those moments. You can, you can fit it in and uh, it's wonderful when you do. And if you are a parent, remember that like those kids are the best masterpiece you're going to have. And so include them in it and Mm -hmm. enjoy, just enjoy the journey. They can coexist. And there's grace for you when you don't get it right. It's okay. Yes. There's a lot of grace. We're there. (laughs) So much grace. Grace upon grace. Hannah and Emily, this has been so inspiring. Please tell the listeners where they can find you. Thank you, Ken. Um, Let's see. I'm on Instagram at Leech Studio. And you can find some more information in my bio there. Yep. And I'm on Instagram as well. It's Emily Fossum Art. And then I've got a website with all my um, commission information. That's just emilyfossumart.com. And all, all the info's there. Yep. And to all the listeners, these links will be in the show notes. So please follow Emily and Hannah uh, to get more of their inspiring energy and uh, follow their artistic journey and order some commissions via DMs. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Ken. Thank Thank you. Thank you for joining me. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to see it grow, please take a moment to subscribe, rate it highly, and share it with a friend. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show and have access to exclusive content, please consider signing up as a patron at patreon.com slash Ken Goshen. For online lessons, please visit kengoshen.com slash lessons. Thanks again and see you next time.